chapter eight of one thing needful this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. one thing needful by mary elizabeth braddon chapter eight a young proud woman that has will to sail with stella went no more to the library she had stolen round one day by the garden when the family was at luncheon and the coast clear and finding the glass door open had gone in and read there for hours safe in the solitude of locked doors no one had missed her for she had of late been allowed to carry her needlework to her own little room and to work there in peaceful loneliness between dinner and tea-time day after day she had crept stealthily round from the hall door to that glass door in the late lord lashmar's study left open for a few hours daily to air the rooms and she had read to her heart's content roaming at will among strange tales of fairyland and adventure from spencer to sir thomas mallory and sir john mandeville and never had she been surprised until that afternoon when the new lord lashmar caught her in the act she felt herself a detected criminal and she hated herself for the self-indulgence which had brought this shame upon her i ought to have remembered that they are all his books now she thought she had always thought of them before as belonging to her dead friend she had not fairly realized the transitory character of all such possessions they had been hubert's books in her mind and he had always encouraged her to read he would not have grudged her the bliss of poring over those strange old stories she saw no more of lord lashmar though he stayed at the castle till after christmas and entertained a good many visitors the coming and going of guests occupied the servants much more severely than the old dull routine of the late lord's time and gave stella more leisure and seclusion soon after christmas there came a great improvement in her life for lady lashmar and her son went up to grosvenor square for the season taking with them the greater number of the servants three housemaids and a superannuated housekeeper who usually lived in one of the lodges were left in sole charge of the castle and one of those housemaids was stella's faithful friend betsy under this new regime the child was free to roam about the house as she pleased but she never re-entered the library she would have read her own books again and again to satiety rather than she would have degraded herself by entering that forbidden room after lashmar's insulting veto she had not forgotten one of his hard words it was not often that she looked in the glass but she never did so look without remembering that he had told her she was as unpleasant as she was ugly yes no doubt she was ugly the glass confirmed that hard speech and perhaps the charge of unpleasantness was equally well founded one happy change came over her life in this wintry season of the year when she was free to roam about the park or down by the river or across the bare bleak fields to the village if she pleased her long imprisonment in ugly uninteresting rooms had made that newly recovered liberty very precious to her she was perfectly fearless cared not how far she went alone and betsy was too busy to look after her and was always satisfied if she appeared punctually at meal-time 
she revisited all the spots which she had known with lord lashmar she went to the boat-house and looked at his empty boats under linen coverings ghastly as if he were lying in one of them dead she wandered along the river-bank stopping to note this or that landmark and to remember how utterly happy she had been in those vanished days would she ever be happy again she wondered never surely unless her father were to come back from that far country whither he had gone that night the house was burnt the name of which she did not know she had often questioned lord lashmar and he had evaded her questions not unkindly but still firmly you will know by and by dear child he had said and she had felt that there was some mystery which concerned her absent father and that she must be patient if he would but come back now now when she felt so lonely so sorely in need of love and sweet companionship some one to talk to her and to teach her as lashmar had done comfort of some kind was nearer than she thought coming through the little village street one day she saw a familiar figure standing at the gate of a cottage garden gazing dreamily at the old church tower nestling in a hollow just beyond that sharp curve and sudden drop in the narrow road where the village inn stood out conspicuously as if on the lookout for accidents to horses and wheels a bent old figure with bare head and long grey hair and dim pale eyes aged by poring over dry-as-dust books yes it was the mild companion of her happy childhood standing there a leaf out of that lovely past which contrasted so strongly with her present desolation the girl ran to him and touched him on the sleeve mr verner dear mr verner i am so glad she gasped breathlessly slowly and as if with an effort the dim old eyes withdrew themselves from the church tower and gazed wonderingly upon the pale young face looking eagerly upward why stella are you still at the castle they told me you had been sent to school why did not you come to see me before <clears throat> i was not allowed to go out till her ladyship went away and i did not know you were here they said you had gone to london they were right my child answered the old man with a profound sigh i did go to london i was in london nearly four months a terrible place child a fearful place when one has lost the habit of cities as i have the din of the crowded streets deafened me the strange faces made me feel distraught it is a dreary wilderness stella for a man without friends and i had no friends in london no not one i thought i had many old college companions old pupils men who had pretended to love me when they were boys but time had changed them into strangers all doors were closed against me very politely stella but they were shut all the same and i was alone and old and stupid in that noisy wilderness of streets and squares and fine shops and lighted theatres a dreary desert for the friendless and poor stella but your book faltered stella remembering the old man shrinking from the burden of celebrity that will win you new friends instead of the old ones who may have forgotten you no stella there are no friends to learning nowadays francis bacon might wander in that stony labyrinth die of hunger there for want of a helping hand there are no bacons wanted nowadays learning is out of date it was to get my book published that i went to london stella i carried my manuscript from publisher to publisher till i came to those that laughed in my face when i mentioned aristotle and asked me if i thought he was a likely kind of author to sell in penny numbers or his complete works at a shilling i was not to be beaten easily stella i went to the great men first they were kind and courteous but told me the market was flooded with books upon the great classic that no work of that kind had sold since Grote and jowett that my magnum opus was so much labour wasted except for the pleasure i had felt in the progress of such an honourable work 
that is the kind of thing the great publishers said to me the small ones openly laughed at me politely for rudely as the nature of the creatures prompted there was no room in the world of letters for my great work on aristotle i might publish the book at my own cost if i liked but it would involve an outlay of two or three hundred pounds and i had thought that the work would bring me wealth and renown i had shrunk from the glare and the dazzle of my future fame dreams stella all dreams the publishers awakened me and now i know that i am only a foolish old man born into this world too late to be of any use to himself or other people but you have your book still said stella in her grave old-fashioned way she had grown from a child to a precocious woman in her solitary studious life of the last eight months had changed curiously in so short a time and if it is a great book as lord lashmar said it was you must be very proud of it i love it faltered the old man with an involuntary glance at the window of the room that held his treasure i love it as if it were a child i am steadily going over all the old ground again page by page annotating improving perhaps years hence when i am in the dust a publisher may be found to print that book the world may discover that i have left it an imperishable legacy but let us talk of it no more come indoors and rest yourself stella it is too cold to be standing here so long he led the way into a cottage parlour littered with the chaotic lumber of a student's days and nights a table crowded with pamphlets and papers books piled in every available corner heaped upon the floor dust untidiness everywhere the owner of the cottage had given up the struggle for neatness and had allowed her eccentric lodger to have things in his own way he was not a troublesome lodger needed but little attendance never grumbled at the cooking paid his way punctually but his long night watches were a source of fear to his landlady lest in long poring over those dry-as-dust old volumes he should fall asleep and suffer the house to be set on fire have you been living here long asked stella looking at the chaos and longing to put things straight with dexterous womanly fingers only since last november lord lashmar has been good enough to give me a small pension which i accept without compunction as i know that my dear pupil always intended to provide for my old age but how could he think that i should outlive him the old surviving the young yes lord lashmar has been kind enough to provide for me and i like to live here near the old home and the old river we were all so fond of and you child how has it fared with you since that fatal day stella was slow to answer she struggled with herself in silence for a little while the dark brows knitted in a frown the crimson of passion kindling in the wan cheeks and then she burst into tears the old man drew her towards him gathered her upon his knees sheltered her wet cheek upon his breast with almost maternal tenderness my poor child my poor child he murmured death was very cruel to you and me that summer day oh if we had only died too why did not god take us all together sobbed stella and then in broken sentences she told gabriel verner what her life had been like since he left the castle a life spent among servants in the bondage of menial servitude she took away my books too stella went on tearfully the books he gave me my greek and latin books my book about the stars in scott and tennyson inexorable tyrants to stifle that budding intellect but betsy contrived to get some of them for me it was almost like stealing them though they were my own as much my own as this hand and arm and i have gone on learning my lessons and writing exercises though there has been no one to tell me the faults that need be so no longer stella come to me every day if they will let you and i will go on with your education yes cried the scholar with sudden enthusiasm it shall be the delight of my life to train this bright young mind you with the rapture of conferring an ineffable boon you shall help me to annotate my book 
i will said stella and i will keep your room tidy if you will let me i know how to arrange books and papers and keep them all in nice order without disturbing anything i used to tidy his papers when i was very very little when i could hardly reach up to the table yes dear you were always a handy little thing i will go on with your education come to me as often as you can come whenever they will let you i am not much of a gadabout you will almost always find me at home stella thanked him with all her heart cheered and comforted by this new life to take up the thread of her education where lashmar had dropped it would seem almost a link with the past with the life that had been so sweet it would bring her nearer to the dead she thought of him always as watching over her from the spirit world regretting her degradation and it would please him to know that she was carrying on her education with his dear old tutor she told betsy everything and betsy managed that by hook or by crook she should have time to go on with her education all she had to do was to satisfy middleham and of late her sewing had been good enough even for that exacting personage and she had also shown herself very deft and clever in putting the finishing touches to best bedrooms and morning-rooms arranging draperies filling the flower vases putting knick-knacks and indescribable elegancies in just the right places instead of shoving things about stupidly after the purblind manner of the ordinary housemaid stella had spent many a morning at this work when the castle was full of company and had won middleham's blunt approval i thought you were a fool child when i first took you in hand said the queen-mother of the housemaids but i must say that i have found you a teachable handy little thing and very willing to take pains with your sewing which is more than i can say for those overgrown young women from the village the all-powerful middleham being thus conciliated by patient service life had been made easier for stella even at the worst than it had been but it was easiest of all for her now when middleham and her staff were in grosvenor square and the staterooms and best bedrooms were all wrapped in shadow and silence under betsy's friendly rule stella was able to spend the greater part of her days with gabriel verner and to learn as much as he felt inclined to teach her nor was this little for it was a delight to the old man to resume the habits of years gone by with so docile so receptive a pupil so day by day and every day as the leaves unfolded and the flowers came peeping forth in the hedgerows and meadows first the season of daffodils and then the season of king cups and then the glad time of bluebells and onward even to the first of the dog roses stella lived her own life and learnt diligently in the great volume of classic lore till even those modern middleshire copses that river side of to-day seemed peopled with ideal forms so interwoven became the fables of the past with the realities of the present and every day the girl's care helped to make the old student's life more pleasant providing for and forestalling his wants supervising his modest wardrobe beautifying his cottage home surrounding him with an atmosphere of womanly love and watchfulness lady lashmar was in london and paris and vienna with her adored son following him as a satellite follows a planet not with him but always near him he had spoken in the house of lords and his speech had attracted attention had been talked about as a wonderful speech for so young an orator and it had been said by some of his party that lord lashmar was a young man who would make his mark old lady pitland's grandson ought to have something in him said the old-fashioned section of the party and all lady lashmar's particular friends prophesied that old lady pitland's nephew was to be one of the lights of the future and as political skies at this period were cloudy lights were wanted End of chapter eight